I'm going to take us to 2 Corinthians chapter 4 this morning. If you would, go and open up your Bible there. Keep your finger back in Ephesians 2 as well. We'll be back and forth between them both. Therefore, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. But we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word. But by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. In verse 7, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God. And not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to the death for Jesus' sake. So that life of Jesus may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. And since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke, we also believe and so we also speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. For it is all for your sake, so this grace extends to more and more people. It may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. Two long readings today. No apology for either one of them, because they're both significant. When you don't know what to say, you talk about what you know. So here's my week last week. And this is every week. On Monday... At 10 o'clock, I will have a phone call. It's our weekly tortilla call. We talk about tortillas. We go through all the finances. We go through what manufacturing is doing. We cover everything. It's an hour-long call, and we get into the details a little bit. We start every call off with the same thing, though. We look at sales. We want to know what we've accomplished this week. We want to know what's happening in the future. We want to know if sales are growing or not. Uh, Any of you in sales in here, raise your hand. Does that sound familiar to you? That the mission is pretty plain every week. That's every Monday, 10 o'clock, we talk about sales. Well, week comes on Wednesday at 3 o'clock. That's my next opportunity. We have a call with all of our Kansas, Oklahoma, all the salespeople in what we call this area. And we talk about, guess what? Sales. 
They have a format they've got to walk through. They've got to tell us if they're up or down over the last year. They've got to tell us if things are good or if things are bad. And if things are bad, and by the way, we, we kind of run through the good too much. I, I get accused of that from my boss that I run past the good and want to talk about the bad more, more so because, well, that's a problem we need to fix, right? But we stop and we talk about it every Wednesday. Then on Thursday, then on Thursday, there's another call with all of our people in California who run our routes out there. And it's the exact same conversation. We talk about what we sold. And we talk about if we're going up or we're going down. We talk about ideas for how we can go up and go down. And we encourage each other. We start the conversation. All these conversations start with the same thing. They start with a win of the week. Tell us something positive that you did last week. Who did you talk to? Who did you have success with? And then Friday morning rolls around. And Friday at 10 o'clock, all of the sales leadership team, I bring them all together, and we have another conversation about sales on a larger scale, about our customers. And we talk about if we're up or down. We talk about the customers we have. And then we have what we call our pipeline accounts. These are people we don't do business with yet, but we want to do business with. And we talk about what we're going to do to be able to do business with those folks. Every week, we understand really, really well what our mission is. And by the way, I I don't think sales is more important than the rest of the functions that go on within a business. They're all critical to one thing, which is completing the sale. But without sales, the engine doesn't even start. There is nothing to do if nothing is sold. And so we talk about it. We know what our mission is. And I, I, over my career, I've had, I've had good fortune. I've had good fortune to work with companies that have been really successful. But I've also had the occasion to be with companies that weren't being so successful. And when you walk into the places where things are good, where sales are growing, there is an energy about the building. There's an energy about the people. Growth is exciting. Growth brings new opportunity. When you have growth going, well, if you go out to Mound Ridge, Kansas this afternoon or sometime this week, and you look to the north of where the Tortilla King offices are, you'll see we've broken ground for a brand new warehouse. Because we need more space. Because we got our lines sold out. Oh, by the way, we got more lines on order. It's exciting. We have growth. And growth begets growth. I've been around companies, though, also where there is no growth, where things are not as positive. And and there's a lot of reasons why they aren't successful. You can always find them. Everybody always thinks they have a sales problem. I start diving in, and I generally find they have an everything else problem because sales, very honestly, is pretty easy if everything else is taken care of. But those companies, there's a different energy. There's a different vibe. There's kind of a malaise that kind of goes through the building. People are not excited about being there. They're not excited about the work that they're doing. Now, don't get me wrong. The work is being done. The institution is being maintained. But it just lacks a certain joy, if you would, in what's happening in the building that day. It's kind of sad. But the institution is maintained. Well, 
I don't want to get, oh, and by the way, the mantra, and my salespeople will tell you this is the mantra they hear. They can all cite it. They can all quote it. They all know it's going to be said in every meeting. But there is one thing I tell them that is universally true as we're out selling. If we talk to people, good things happen. If we don't talk to people, nothing happens. It's the most unit. I will tell you, I've been selling and in business now for probably, oh, I guess since I was, I've been selling probably since I was 18 years old. I can count on three fingers the number of times people showed up just wanting to buy from us randomly. It doesn't happen that often. It just doesn't happen that people wander in and say, I want to buy what you're selling. You have to go look for them. You have to have conversations with them. You have got to work with them. So anyhow, we maintain the institutions. Now, I want you to look around for a minute here today. I want you to look around, and I want you to tell me who's missing today. Everybody looking? Who's missing? Who's not here today? Okay, now here's what happened just then. You looked over here, and, you know, the Griffiths sit over here, and you look around. Oh, Abby's not here today. Okay, so, uh, you know, she's not here, but Chloe is, and that's more important. So, hey, Chloe. Uh, you know, you come back over here, and I look, and I see I've got, you know, Aaron and Brianne, but no Sean and Sandy. You know, that's kind of what we did out of the gate. Who's not here today? You know who's not here today? The person who's not here today is that person who's been doing your dry cleaning for 30 years that you've never spoken a good word to Jesus about. The person who is not here today is that next-door neighbor of yours? that needs to hear the good news of Jesus, and you know they do, but you haven't spoken with them yet. The person who's not here today is that one that's in your science class or at lunch that sits by themselves all the time and needs to have a message of hope that you have. That's not who is who is not here today. Now, I'm going to tell you, I believe that effort produces results. And I don't want to get too far into the weeds on this because business and church are not the same thing, right? We don't produce anything. God gives the increase. But as we get into this message today, what I want you to look at is what, what we read from over here in, as Luke read Ephesians 2 today. You get to the last part of that, and we learn that because of the grace of God, we're saved. Nothing that we've done, but here's the joy we have. God in his infinite wisdom, has given us purpose. He has given us work to do. He has given us ministry. We have ministry because of what Jesus did on that cross. That ministry doesn't save us. It's by grace that we're saved. We have a ministry because of that. And I can tell you, I've talked to plenty of people in life. We all walk around. Well, I don't know how to get involved. I don't know what my ministry is. I don't know what God wants me to do. Good news, today I will answer the question for you. And it starts in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, that very first verse. Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. Folks, when we go and read 2 Corinthians chapter 4, here is your ministry. I'm going to remove all doubt. You have a ministry of reconciliation. You have a ministry to take the gospel to a lost world. You have a ministry to share Jesus' name in your path so that other people can know the good news. 
of Jesus. Now, I'm going to be critical here a little bit. And by the way, when I'm talking about these topics, generally it's because I recognize my own failure. So as I'm saying this, understand, I see my shortcoming already. But I'm going to just, uh, I'm going to speak kind of frankly. I've been here six years. I'm looking at these walls. And this building is the exact same size as when I got here. Now, I'm I'm going to speak again a little candidly. I'm looking at this building, and I know almost all of you right now. Because, well, we've all been here together for a long time. We all know who each other are. I look through this building, and I see a lot of really, really good people. And I see us, and... I think we're doing a pretty good job of maintaining an institution. We do church real well. We have people who make sure our fellowship dinners are planned every Sunday after church. We have got people who make sure the library is working. You've not come into the building yet and not found your communion cups ready to go. We run the institution well. But our elders haven't had to put a second service on yet while they were waiting on us. The guy on the phone call who doesn't like the weekly calls that we have, all those calls, is the guy who hasn't sold anything. It gets uncomfortable for him sometimes. We ought to be a little uncomfortable. Not that we're selling something, but we do have something for people. And I want you to stop and think today. I want you to stop and think about these words right here. In verse 13 of 2 Corinthians 4, since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke. We also believe and so we also speak. Have you started speaking yet? That's the question I have for us this morning and that's the challenge I have for us this morning. When we speak, good things happen. When we don't speak, nothing happens. There's a church in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. I tell Craig Greenwood about this congregation all the time. I don't know what the last three or four years have looked like, but I had occasion to worship with them multiple times uh, over the years. The Kensington Woods Church of Christ on Sunday morning, when I was be there, the first thing they would talk about out of the gate was who they had Bible studies going on with. Now, get me, hear me though. A lot of times we start thinking legalism and all of those things. No, that wasn't the purpose in the conversation. They were sharing this because they wanted people praying for what was happening in those conversations because they knew Jesus was being presented. It's a priority to talk about reaching the lost in that congregation. And I saw something in that place that I don't see in a lot of places in our brotherhood today. I want you to think about all of our Sundays when we have baptisms here, our Wednesday nights when they're baptized. Who are the people that we're taking up and immersing into Christ and bringing up as a new creature? It's our kids. Now, the reality is, the reality is, if I went through the room here today, if we went through the room today, we would find, see if the slides are going to move, there we go. If I went through the room today, your story would be about the same as the story of our teens. Most of us in here, We're cursed. We grew up in the church. Now, well, Gary, why is that a curse? Because we sometimes have a hard time understanding or remembering 
who we were. I appreciate your remarks about that today, Charles. I appreciate the song about that today. We forget who we were. There's some, there's some benefit in having a person that came, comes to Christ later in life. There's benefit in coming to Christ as a person who's had a horrible, ugly past. But here's the deal. Look at these teens down here, right? These are, they're good people. They've been raised in good homes. I'm grateful for that. You talk about sin with them, there's not a murderer in the crowd. Okay? There's not an embezzler sitting here. Now, do they have sin? Yes. But when you compare them to the rest of the world, they're not bad. We have the same story. We grew up in churches. Thankfully, had, we had Christian parents. We weren't that bad. Sometimes I think we forget about our own lostness. We forget about who we were at one point in time. I'll appreciate it again what Luke read from Ephesians today. Because before we got to that great part at the end about how we're saved by grace... There was that really awful part at the beginning, where at the beginning, we were objects of wrath. Objects of wrath? We're good. No, you were an object of wrath beforehand. You were lost. And we, and we, I think we lose connection with our lostness sometimes. We forget what it feels like to have been somebody who wasn't a part of God's family. We forget what it was like when we didn't have the Holy Spirit in us. We got to, to, in order for us to speak, we've got to remember what we were. We've got to remember that we were once not with God. And the problem is, and I, and I tell the teens this, and I've been trying to remind them, just because you show up with mom and dad every week, just because you're here, does not make you a Christian. You don't get some birthright. You don't impede any righteousness to your children, and there's no righteousness impeded to you because of who your family is. You are God's because of the decision you made, because of understanding you have of your lostness. You've got to remember that, because when you remember you were lost, it helps you to understand better how much you have to be grateful for. It helps you remember how important it was that you heard the good news of Jesus. It reminds you how significant that change was to you. We live in a world today where lostness is kind of not out there. It's gone. Uh, You know, ever been to a funeral where they weren't going to heaven right then? No matter who they were or what they were? We've lost, we've lost the idea, the concept of lostness. We don't need to lose that. Because in a world where nobody is lost, nobody needs a Savior. And the reality is, unless you're in Christ, you are lost, and you do need a Savior. We've got to bring that message to a lost world. Now, we're not trying to manipulate people. We're not trying to scare them. We're not trying to, you know, give them this, this hellfire and brimstone message. But until somebody knows what they are, they can't change and become something else. So we have got to come back to this idea of lostness. We've got to remember what we were so that we can remember, so we can know who we are today. And who we are today, it is fabulous. Let's start, if we're looking through our Bibles, we're over here in 2 Corinthians still. You look over at 2 Corinthians 5, 7. 
By the way, go home, read the first six verses of 2 Corinthians today. This lesson, I could read that and be done. I probably should have done that. But the first thing is 2 Corinthians 5, 7. We are a new creature. When you go into Christ, you are a new creature. You're not the same as you used to be. When you become a new creature, you have a new hope. When you're outside Christ, there's no hope. When you are in Christ, you have a new hope. When you are in Christ, you have a new power. We don't like to talk about it, but Acts 2.38 promises those who are baptized forgives their sin, they're going to be given the gift of the Holy Spirit. You have a new power. Without Christ, you don't have that power. With Christ, you have it. When you are a new creature in Christ, when you're a new creature, you have new purpose. Uh, if you talk to somebody, it's very sad to talk to people who don't know what their purpose in life is. And, and I don't say that in a sarcastic or mean way. I, I talk to people all the time who are unsure what they're supposed to be doing. You, do, you shouldn't ever have that doubt. You have purpose. Your purpose is to speak the good news of Jesus anywhere, everywhere, every opportunity you have. We should make it very hard on our elders to keep up with the work that we're doing that God has given us. We should make it very hard on them. They need more building. They should have to be looking for where the next piece of land is coming from because we've grown out of this one. You have purpose. Embrace your purpose. The purpose to speak a good name for a good word for Jesus. You are an ambassador. You go over here further on in chapter 5. I love what it says. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. Okay, I went to an official source yesterday. The very first qualification at the United States State Department about what an ambassador is to do, it is to speak on behalf of the nation with one voice. Ambassadors speak. We have all seen the corny little diagram of St. Francis where it says, preach the gospel always. If necessary, use words. No greater lie has been hoisted on us than that. We have convinced ourselves that if we're just out doing nice things and good things, we're preaching the gospel. The gospel is only preached when the word is spoken. I've got some of you don't like that. Well, here's what I'll tell you. If you like to feed people, feed people and preach Christ. If you like to work in benevolence, give people clothing. Shelter them. Do whatever you need to do. Speak Christ. We speak Christ because we know what we were. We were lost. And now we are Christ ambassadors. And we speak for him. Christ has to be spoken. And finally, here's the big thing. Because if I went through the room and went one by one and said, why are you not preaching the gospel? Why are you not talking to your neighbor? Why does your neighbor not have this message? Why does your coworker not know you have faith? Be a lot of different answers. Some of you are just afraid. You're afraid you're going to mess it up. You're afraid you don't know the word well enough. Others of you, uh, you know, you just, you, you don't think you're very eloquent and you can't talk very well. We'd have a thousand reasons. Some of us just don't want to be embarrassed. 
we're afraid that our neighbors may find out that we're Christian. I, I remember one time we, we were interviewing somebody for a position at uh, OK Foods. And our church, our corporate secretary was a member where I went to church. And she was walking out. And she was introducing this guy who was there interviewing for that position. And she said, and by the way, Gary, he, you know, he attends the Church of Christ over in uh, Jonesboro, Arkansas. Name's been changed to protect the identity. And the first thing he says out of his mouth after that, yeah, but don't think I'm too fanatical about it. Hey, he didn't want me to know this was who he was. And we may be that way with our neighbors. If that's the case, we've got to have a, a different conversation today. There are a lot of reasons why we don't speak. But here's something important, and this is important from this. We are jars of clay. We are a new creature. We are ambassadors. And we are a jar of clay. Whew! That takes the pressure off. I was telling somebody I wasn't ready for this morning. They said, Gary, who cares? Your lesson's about not the power not resting in you. Oh, okay, thanks for reminding me what my lesson's about. Gang, you're a jar of clay. Jars of clay don't do anything except hold something. And then pour, you pour out of it. The power in your message is not you. The power in your message comes from God. Think back to God's people who are reluctant to go serve. Moses, I can't go do what you're asking me to do, God. I don't speak it that well. Don't worry, I've got this. Gideon, Gideon, go lead. I, I can't, not you, Bible Gideon. <laughs> Gideon's eyes went up straight. Anyhow, Gideon tells God what? My clan is the weakest, smallest clan. I'm nobody. Gideon, go do what I've called you to do. I've got this. We are just like them. We're reluctant to go and serve because we think the power is in us. Power is not in us. We are just a jar of clay. God can use his most broken people to tell a story of him. God can use his weakest people to tell a story. God can use you to tell his story. And you are the right person to tell his story. Because you know that person who needs to hear the message. I don't know him. Will doesn't know him. You do. You are the person God has put in that place. You are the one that he wants to present that message. He wants to use you as that jar of clay. Finally, we speak the gospel. We speak the good news of Jesus because we know the promise of God. We know the promise of God is this. Verse 14 of 2 Corinthians 4. Knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us into his presence. Folks, because of what Christ did on that cross for us, because of what Christ did, we're not separated from God any longer. There is a resurrection day coming. And on that resurrection day, we will be at peace forever with God. Go read Revelation 21, 1 through 7. No more tears, no more crying. We speak the gospel because we know the promise of God because of what Christ has done. 
Who do you know that you don't want to partake in that promise? Who do you know that you don't want to know the joy of salvation on that resurrection day? God's trusted you with it. And so we've got two things we come to today. I've got two questions, basically. The first one is this. Is the treasure in you? All right? I'm speaking to those of you who have been baptized right now. And, and, and honestly, and I'm not saying you need to be down here this morning, but I'm going to tell you that if you haven't been speaking the word to other people, for whatever reason you have not been speaking it, you probably need to have a little talk with God. And you probably need to say, I'm sorry, because I don't care who you are or what you are, that treasure is in you, and God is counting on you to do that work he's given you purpose for. So the first thing is, if you haven't been teaching the Word, if you haven't been talking to people, change. Become, be, realize God is going to do the work just like Moses found it out, just like Gideon found it out, just like Peter found it out, just like so many of God's people found out, the power's not in them, the power's in God, not in you. You can't blow it. It's a layup. And by the way, let's start greeting each other differently. Let's not say, how are you? Let's ask each other, who have you had the opportunity to share God with? How can I pray with you about the person you're studying the Bible with? Let's start praying for the lost, and let's start talking about them, and let's start talking about together we're going to go get them. And by together, I mean you and I mean me with the people I interact in my life. Finally, for those of you who haven't become a Christian yet, I want you to know the joy of salvation. Jesus Christ died on a cross so that you could live forever with him. Jesus Christ removes your sins, takes them away when we know him. If you have not been immersed in Christ yet, what are you waiting for? I know some of you people here, we have conversations. I don't know what you're waiting on because you know what you ought to do. Some of you out here also know. There's no time like today to get it done. Because once you have it, you have new power in the Holy Spirit. But you also can answer the question to what is your life's purpose now? Your purpose is to tell a lost world about Jesus Christ. If you want prayers for anything today, if you want to be baptized today, our elders will be in the back. But for the rest of us for now, let's stand, let's sing.